right, everybody, we're back with another episode of Past Player Purchase. This is your host, Kevin. And this is Leanne. As always, thanks for listening. So today we are finally back after a little break and taking a look at Sonora, the board game, not the location, although uh, who knows, maybe that'll change eventually. Ooh. And so this is a competitive flick and write. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of what that really means later, but it's a flick and write, uh, which came out in 2020. Plays one to four people and was designed by Rob Newton, published by Pandasaurus Games. So, in scenario, the Sonora, you will flick discs into four regions of the Sonoran Desert uh, to score through some various methods. And again, Leanne will cover that aspect later. So, it's expected to last 30 to 45 minutes, which is a little bit, I guess on par, uh, at least with four people, yeah, okay, definitely more towards the 45 minutes, uh, mainly because most of the things that you do aren't really simultaneous, but hopefully it's pretty fast moving. That being said, uh, let's go ahead and get into the price, which is about $21, although of course feel free to check in with your favorite store. Uh, but as always, for the mechanics, I'll turn things over to Leanne. Well, that's a pretty good price. Sonora is the first flick and write game I've ever tried. Uh, I found it interesting because it combines dexterity, strategy, and luck. The center board is a roughly dinner plate sized wooden square with a sunken octagon area for flicking small wooden discs. So think dice tray or mini eight sided pool table. The artwork divides the Wait, center mini board. Eight sided pool table? Yes, it has because it's raised, like the, the borders are raised and there's this middle area that's sunk where you put the discs. Well, I guess though to clarify, when I think of a pool table, I think of like a rectangle. That's why I said an eight-sided because it's the, it's the idea of a center area that is lower than the borders around it. Oh, I guess now that everybody's got a pretty clear uh, depiction and, and, and my, my personal confusions uh, out of the way, we can carry on, I guess. Okay, so the artwork divides the center board into four different zones, and these match the zones on each player's mat. Thematically, this game is set in the Sonoran Desert in the southwestern United States, so the four zones show cacti and animals that are from that biome. There are the Cliff Dweller Ruins, which are inhabited by lizards, the Canyon, which is inhabited by foxes, the Creek Bed, which is inhabited by owls, and the Mud Cracks, which are inhabited by rabbits. Every player has a player mat that can be written on with a dry erase marker to keep track of points throughout the game. At the start of the game, the players decide how many rounds they want to play. A short game is five rounds, a medium game is six rounds, and a long game is seven rounds. But honestly, you can play any number of rounds that you wish. Each player also receives five discs, numbered one through five, in their player color. So every round, the players take turns flicking their discs into the desert zones over the course of three turns. Each player flicks two discs on their first turn, two discs on their second turn, and one disc on their third turn. And you can choose the order that you flick your discs. You don't have to go one through five or five through one. So it's really up to you. And this is where some light strategy comes into play because you score points based on where your discs are located at the end of the round. Your discs can be bumped by other people's discs 
and you can bump their, their discs back in return. You also want to make sure that you stop flicking after you know you uh, send the appropriate number of discs there. Okay, so. that is an inside joke. I just get into the flicking and I've done two and then I keep trying to do a third one, but you know, that's not how this game works. Oh, it's a prelude as to, I guess, how addictive the, the flicking part of the game can be, I guess. So, there are some physical rules that must be followed for the flicking. You must flick your discs from your launch corner. And every round, the center board gets rotated 90 degrees, so the desert zone closest to you will constantly change. If you happen to flick your disc off the board, which I have definitely done, uh, too bad, so sad, it stays out, you don't get any points for it. If your disc hits another player's disc off the board, then they do get to reflick it. It's not their fault that their disc got kicked out. And there is an optional advanced rule that is no bunting, meaning all players agree your disc may not simply be bunted into the desert zone that is closest to your launch corner. It could still end in the zone closest to you, but only if it ricochets off of the side of the board or another disc. So we've usually played with this rule because it's kind of lame if your disc just falls into the zone closest to you. But no judgment if you want to play that way. <laughs> Maybe you should edit that out, Ben. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> okay. And so... And so, um, also, in the very middle of the board, there's a circular bullseye hole. So if your disc lands in that, you immediately get to choose which zone that disc is placed into. After the round ends, all the discs on the board are scored. Discs are scored by their numeric value 1 through 5, and sometimes there can be value multipliers if your disc is touching a multiplier circle on the board in the artwork. I'm not going to describe all four zones in super detail because this is really a case where having the visual to refer to is essential, but it can give you a conceptual overview. So in the cliff dweller zone with the lizards, the value of your discs tells you how many hexagons to cross out. It's these tiny little hexagons. You score points when you cross out enough hexagons to complete a building. The hexagons are grouped into different configurations. Some are smaller buildings with like nine hexagons and they get much, much larger. In the canyon with the foxes, the value of your discs tells you how many boxes to circle. It looks almost like a crossword and you circle these boxes and you score points based on the number and configuration of the boxes that you circle. You also score bonus points based on the cacti that are in those boxes and collecting more of the same type of cacti increases your endgame score. In the creek bed with the owls, the value of your discs tells you how far you travel along various branching paths on your player map. You cross out the spaces you travel through, and you only circle and score the spaces that you end on. And the spaces have, you know, variable number of points in them. So there's some strategy or there. Or bonuses. Or bonuses, right. So there's some strategy to say, which branch do I want to travel down? And, you know, how do I get the most points out of this? And last but not least, in the mud cracks with the rabbits, you score points by making connections throughout a network of nodes. The value of your discs tells you which nodes you can connect. So you're going to circle those nodes and then draw a line between them to connect them. 
And as you connect nodes, you're going to encircle various types of cacti and bonus rewards. So say three, these are three-sided um, kind of open spaces in between the nodes, um, and that's how you're going to get your points. There are other bonus rewards that you can acquire through the game as you cross off or circle things in the four zones. And these bonus rewards can be used at any time once you gain them. They enable you to do things like mulligan your flicks, swap the placement of discs, and or score additional points in all four of the zones. So you might you know, be able to say, um, get more foxes or get more owls or something, and then that lets you kind of score additional things in those corresponding zones. The game continues for the number of rounds that the players decided upon, and then it ends. You tally up your final points, and player with the most points wins, and that is Sonora. I'm afraid, is there something to keep track of how many rounds you played? I don't believe there is, actually. Um, not that I recall seeing on the player board, um, but I may be forgetting something. Yeah, I don't recall either. Oh, that might be a minus points later coming up. Wow. No. <laughs> uh, which on that note, I guess let's go ahead and uh, yeah, talk about our highlights and then our words of caution. So yeah, as usual, I'll kind of kick things off. So uh, first and foremost, like you know, I was kind of mentioning earlier, yeah, the flicking aspect is actually a little bit more addicting than I had initially given it credit for. Uh, when the the opportunity to first play it came up, uh, and of course it being described as a flick and write, I was a little bit skeptical. Uh, one is because I'm a lazy gamer where whether it's like a roll and write or in this case like a flick and write, it's the idea of you know you're you're writing these things down usually and then erase it at the end and I don't know I, I often feel like those types of things could be automated I'm too spoiled I guess by uh, that board game arena so I don't know but anyway no the the flicking aspect is definitely huge and in this case the flicking I don't think could be could be uh, well replicated online I mean I'm sure you could do some kind of like touch screen uh, adaptation but it's really not the same and again, it's it's a lot more fun than it, at least to me, initially sounded like. The other side of it is the artwork. I mean, you'll, of course, if you've heard our previous episodes, I comment on it very, very often. Uh, and in this case, the artwork for me didn't have a ton of appeal at first. Like, I thought it was gay, mainly because it's a lot of darker colors. And it's not what I would necessarily say, like, is high contrast. So it comes across as somehow vivid and yet plain at the same time. Okay. But uh, the more that we played it, the more I, I actually appreciated it. It definitely lends the game a certain feel. And uh, for better and for worse, I think that's really the bulk of the theme as far as the artwork. So yeah, uh, unless there's something about flicking and or having area control and territories that uh, maybe there's something about that desert life. But no, again, I think the artwork um, you know, having played it definitely uh, repeatedly at this point, yeah, it, it's grown on me. Aside from that, uh, when I look at it as a strategy game, I think it's a it's a decent hit. Uh, it's definitely not a light game. Of course, there's some randomness with the flicking. Uh, others could argue that there's some dexterity involved. So the better you are at flicking and or uh, your disc placement strategy, I guess that could play into it as well. 
so you know even even that uh, of course lends to it and then you know which path you're going to go down what you might want to compete for etc etc there there is actually a i guess again for me when i initially looked at it a surprising amount of strategy by no means is this a heavy game i think uh, even if you take competitive flicking into account it's probably like a medium especially because you might be able to get into some awkward flicking competition at that point <laughs> so i don't know but anyway so yeah i i thought that was kind of neat uh, especially because yeah again there's the uh the mulligans or like the re reflicking recasting resending i don't know what you would call that reflicking oh all right but anyway uh, for me, I also did like, uh, again, if you've listened to our past episodes, always a, a fan of the lazy gaming. So it's pretty easy to set up, teach, break down, and clean up. I mean, yeah, if if you have a big enough what, piece of uh, Kleenex dry erase uh, mark, not marker, eraser, then yeah, again, it just adds to the speed at which you can break this down. So it's nice. Uh, aside from that, and this is kind of more of a side note rather than kind of like a positive note, I didn't really know where to put it. Uh, the playing board that everybody uses is secured in a plastic holder which looks like it's held in by a piece of tape. So uh, on, on kind of a word of caution, it'd be pretty easy to cut that tape or if the tape comes off then you're going to have to I guess retape it so it uh, stays secured inside the plastic holder. But I think I commented it when we very first played it. It's like, oh, I wonder if it's lending itself to expansions down the road. Because, yeah, if you just untape it, that cardboard piece slides out and you can just put a new one in there. So, who knows? Maybe that means more to come later. Now, on to the words of caution. So, again, it's a flick and write. If the idea of flicking a disc is just something that you absolutely do not want to do, uh, you should probably run away from this game. But if you're open to it, then it's not going to be a deal breaker. Aside from that, it's just minor things. Uh, again, as with any blank and write, uh, there's going to be some consumables involved between the pen and... I mean, we'll see. It's not like we've played it so much that we've worn out uh, the player mats. But, you know, again, with any blank and write game, it's something that could happen uh, just depending on the quality of the print. So, yeah. Don't write, don't write on it with Sharpie. I mean, that would ruin it. There you go. I uh, wonder, too, maybe if we could test out, uh, if you do the whole lamination method, maybe that'll help preserve it. But uh, aside from that, coming back to the art, so it's nice. But again, if you're looking for theme, I think aside from a little bit of that story that it provides, uh, and then, of course, the artwork, it's really not too thematic. So... Yeah, just something to keep in mind there. I think, though, aside from that, that's pretty much all I've got. What about for you? So I had a really different reaction to the artwork. I thought it was really beautiful from the beginning. Um, it's Maybe that's because it's my favorite color. It's purple. Um, it's purples and some orange and yellow, a lot of blues and a little bit of those deeper shades. Um, so it is like a desert palette, but think like, sunset sunrise kind of time so time frame time of day um and i thought it was really beautiful um and i love the simplicity of this game both in the art and in the mechanics 
you know, you flick, you see where your discs go. Uh, I think that the uh, once you figure out what each zone is, which I think is actually simpler than people make it out to be, then it's a very visually rewarding kind of a game. It's all about the visual, right? You're gonna flick your disc into this area, look where they are, score those points appropriately, and you get to visually choose how you affect your player map to try to get the most points. So I agree with you, Kevin, the tactile element of this, the fact that you're flicking physical discs and then literally writing or erasing uh, you know, on your player mat, I think that's a big part of the appeal. And if you like tactile experiences, this is gonna be good for that. I also think this game really levels the playing field somewhat. So both beginner gamers and seasoned gamers or people I would consider to be you know, higher in terms of their analytical and tactical strategy, both types of gamers can have fun while still enjoying a challenge. And it's because of that dexterity and because of the individual choice of how you want to score your points. The bonuses really do add up, which is a positive note for me, because I think that unlike other games that are more complicated, this game, I think the bonuses are very obvious and it's a game that rewards bonus chasing. Um, I think sometimes in other games when there's objectives or quests and your you know quests can be so variable and you also don't have a clear idea of what the other players are pursuing those are all things that add to the weight of a game this game doesn't have any of that everybody's got the same player map and it's all open information for better and for worse so these are all positive notes for me i guess you can see i'm a gamer that enjoys the artwork and likes the simplicity of it my word of caution is just that flicking is not easy. I think it was easy oh, to boy. underestimate that, but it does take, That is true. It does take some practice and definitely some trial and error to figure out the best way to flick with as much precision as you can muster. It was too often I would flick my disc initially right out of that player's zone, like just too much force behind it. And then we could, because we're playing with the no bunting rule, that was also a big pitfall. Maybe because, you know, we play on the weekends and after all that, you know, stress from work, just got to take it out on those poor little discs. I, I think you just, yeah. Anyway, it takes a practice. Figure out your best flicking technique for the most consistent results. And even though now I feel like I can flick it more consistently without endangering people's eyes and teeth, I still feel like I'm not really controlling exactly where my disc ends up. So that would be the next level of gamery. Oh boy. And it is meant to be a family-friendly game. So yeah, no, uh, it's not intended to ask for any kind of facial protection. But uh, <laughs> on that note, I guess we can go ahead and get into our decisions. So. This was a little bit of a tough one for me, and I mean it in a good way. So I definitely would say it's at least a play, for sure. Uh, the thing is for me, like it's kind of a, at the price would kind of push it towards being a purchase. So I'm really not sure how much I should factor that into it, but I guess I'm gonna leave it really as saying for sure, I'll call it a purchase because it just didn't have that little extra like uh, je ne sais quoi that you know makes me be like i i have to have this it was more well with the price it's very enticing so i'll call it a purchase for sure and i yeah i think i'll leave it at that oh a purchase 
Oh, sorry. Did I say purchase? You said purchase oh. several times. Well, there you go. It's one of those. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. That's my my true feelings on the inside. So purchase. Oh, you meant I've to upgraded. <laughs> you upgraded. You meant to say. After all this play. talk about how how enjoyable it is, it's a purchase. I'll stand by that. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think this is a purchase for me if we host more game nights ourselves. To me, I, I'm going to go back to the pool analogy. I think this is like a mini version of pool because you're putting these round things out into this area to try to score points and you can get and if you are a real pool player um, I can probably see you snapping your <laughs> yeah well that's okay I mean it's it's like the it's kind of like us comparing Clask to air hockey it's not the same, but there are some similarities between the game, except the scale is smaller. It's miniature. Well, but again, the shapes are different, and then you're not using your hand. Whereas, like, I guess with Clask and Air Hockey, I feel like there's a bigger similarity where you are controlling with your hand, even though it's through a magnet, a striker. Uh-huh. And in air hockey, you're using your hand to control a striker. It's just more direct. Okay. Uh, in this case, you're using your hands to flick a disc, and in pool, you're definitely not using your hand to directly hit the ball. Well, you, you have, have to use you have to use a cue stick, but and the ball and, it's balls and, that are heavier. And oftentimes, and they have it's to go a Strike as well. Okay. So many, many, many. I mean, you're, you're shooting these round objects into an area. They should ricochet off of the embankment. They should, they can hit other players' round objects. Is this not? <laughs> We're going to clearly welcome your feedback on this episode. We encourage you to uh, you know, drop us some comments and some feedback, especially since there will be a picture on Instagram later. So, there already is one because I was so excited right. about it that I posted it even before we reviewed it. Well, maybe we'll have to have another one then and definitely encourage you to uh, give us your feedback on that part. Okay, that's fine. I might be getting some uh, listener hatred there. All right. But anyway, purchase for me. Thanks. All right. Well, I guess there you have it. It turns out to be a double purchase. So, you know, regardless how you how you categorize it, I mean, it's a strong game, good game. Check it out. Uh, but as always, we appreciate you for listening and hope to catch you on the next episode. Thank you.